This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Hayesville, North Carolina. Welcome to a Tuesday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio. Got the equipment issues from yesterday fixed. The weather has cooperated this morning. We had monsoons overnight. We had over two inches of rain overnight, and it was pouring when I got up. And I have satellite internet, so any of you that have, for instance, DirecTV, you know what it's like when it rains really hard, you lose your signal. Well, I had no internet uh, this morning for a while, but uh, we are we got a little bit of a break in the weather, so hopefully we'll be able to get the the uh, the whole show in this morning. And uh, uh, I don't have I I can wait to build the ark until later. It's supposed to rain really hard again this afternoon, and of course, tropical storm Idalia, which is supposed to intensify into a Category Three hurricane. Um, it's supposed to hit. Uh, Florida's northwest coast uh, tomorrow morning, and then it's going to take a right turn, go out to sea. So the good news is it's not going to come up into the middle of Georgia and into North Carolina where I am. So uh, that's a bit of a break. But uh, uh, they're saying that it could have winds of 120-plus miles an hour when it hits Florida. So keep your fingers crossed for those folks. Um, Before we get to last night's baseball games, and my rant about the Boston Red Sox, because last night was about as embarrassing as it gets. Um, and it just highlighted a whole bunch of things. We'll get to that in a second. But this mess that's going on over in Spain right now, after winning the World Cup when uh, Luis um, Rubiales, the head of the soccer federation in Spain, kissed one of his players on the lips and uh, my God, and now he, you know, there's been all kinds of calls for him to resign. He has dug in his heels and said he's not going to resign. His mother yesterday started a hunger strike. She locked herself in, in a, a church and is going on a hunger strike. And now Spanish prosecutors have said they are going to investigate Rubiales for what happened, uh, whether, I guess, whether they're going to call it uh, sexual assault or what. I don't know what they're going to call it. Look, the funny part, you know, and, well, it's not funny, but the dinosaur that I am, you know, I'm thinking 30 years ago if this happens, nobody's talking about this. But this is a different time, and, you know, it, people have to realize that. And, and I know that, that uh, you know, people in Europe have a much uh, more casual view of sex and things like that than we do here in the United States. But this is 2023, and with the Me Too movement that's happened around the globe and everything else, you, I mean, you've got to be an absolute moron to do something like this. And not only that. You know what? It's one of those things where, and look, he he said that uh, he issued an apology and said it, but but he said it was consensual. And the woman that he kissed just said, "No, no, it really wasn't." Um, you know, and she because she was hugging him, she was excited. But there's a big difference 
between hugging somebody and kissing them on the lips. You know what? Give them a kiss on the cheek. That's a whole different story. I mean, look at the furor that we've had in the NFL. Remember when Tom Brady was still playing quarterback and people were, like, losing their minds because Tom Brady uh, and, and his wife were kissing their children on the lips. I mean, people are losing their minds over that, over a parent kissing their child. You know, so – but it, you've got to be an absolute idiot to, to, to do that kind of stuff if you're Ruby Alice. And not only that, but to then double down and say, oh, it was consensual and basically get over it. This is not going to end well for him. The, uh, the Spanish t- uh, women's team has said that they will not play as long as he is the president of their federation. Uh, FIFA has actually suspended him for 90 days, but the women's team has said they won't play, and the men's team in Spain is also uh, uh, showing their support and and has said the same thing this morning. So uh, he's a dead man walking. He just doesn't know it yet. But what a mess. What a mess. You know, and, and again, it's one of those things. Look, you know, and he can say, hey, I lost my head in the in a moment uh, of excitement. It would be, he might have been able to find a way to skate out of this if he had done that, but to go in front of uh, uh, the Federation and give a speech like he did, by the way, in a room full of all men, and basically say, you know, screw you, this is this is what it was. And, you know, but if he had said, hey, I lost my head in a moment of excitement, you know, maybe he skates. But he's gotten to a point now where he has dug his own grave. They handed him a shovel. He dug it. Now he's got to jump in. He's done. He's done. Okay. Speaking of done, um, the Red Sox season is last night to me was the bugle playing taps for the Red Sox season. Are they still technically in it? Yes. What we've got, uh, we're 132 games in. So there's 30 games left in the season. But the Red Sox are five and a half back of the final wild card spot. They're three games back of Toronto, who is in the number one position to move into a wild card spot. They're two and a half back of Houston, who holds that last spot right now. But the Red Sox threw up the white flag last night. Um, in a, look, you, you go down to Houston and you split a series with them, a four game series to a piece. That was probably about as good as you could expect. Then this weekend, you're playing the Dodgers. You knew the Red Sox, look, you knew this, this 10 game stretch with the Houston, the Dodgers, and then Houston was murderers row. You knew that was going to be a problem. So you split the four, you lose two out of three to the Dodgers, and then last night happens, and you're feeling pretty good when Adam Duvall hits a home run and the Red Sox have a 4-3 lead going into the sixth inning. Chris Sale stunk last night. Four and two-thirds innings. they got to bring in Kyle Barraclough. He comes in, gets out of a jam, so you go into the sixth inning, after Duvall hits the home run with the lead. And then the sixth happens, and it to say it was shocking is probably not saying it strong enough. Not that Houston scored 
six runs in that sixth inning. It's the way that it happened, and it was the decision by Alex Cora that not only was Baraclaw out there, a guy who had thrown three innings all season, right, in the major leagues. Not only do you send him back out for the six, which is fine, but then you don't have anybody warming up despite the fact that he walks the first two guys. He's hitting guys left and right. Houston sends 12 guys to the plate, and there is still nobody warming up after he gives up six runs. In a series that you have to win, you have to win this series, and you know going into the series, you've got Chris Sale going the first day, who used to be your ace and is now a shadow of his former self. You have your best starter in Brian Bayo pitching the second game, and then your third game is TBA, which means it's an opener and Nick Pavetta more than likely. So you have to win the series. You've only got one and a half starters and a bullpen game scheduled. So last night with Chris Sale going, Christian Javier is starting for Houston. They saw him down in Houston. He couldn't hit water if he fell out of a rowboat. He can't throw a strike to save his life. He had a nine and he has a nine and two record. He threw 100 pitches last night, only 57 of them for strikes. He walked six guys. This is a guy, you've got to pound the snot out of this guy. So you know that's a game going in that you have an opportunity to win. And I get bringing Barraclaw back out for the six. I don't have a problem with that. But he, when he walks the first two guys, you got to have somebody up in the bullpen. And I don't want to hear this BS of everybody's tired. And that's what Alex Cora was telling everybody after the game was over. We're still resetting. We had a lot of guys down. Chris Murphy got thrown to the Wolves the day before against the Dodgers, where the Red Sox essentially just gave up on that game as well. So this is two straight games now where the Red Sox have said, screw it, we're not going to throw anybody that's any good, just screw it. We have Murphy and Jovera on Sunday, and then Baraclaw. Baraclaw last night throws like 98 pitches. 94 pitches. When I tell you, Kyle Baraclaw is a reliever, folks. Kyle Baraclaw's 94 pitches last night were 48 more than he had thrown in any game of his entire major league career. In a series that you have to win. Because the starters have been so awful that everybody in the bullpen is gassed. And am I blaming Alex Cora for this? In a, in a way, I am because I'm sorry. You're tired. You know what? I'll go out there and I'll throw everybody I got. 
Even if they got to face the minimum three, I like my chances better with Christian Javier on the mound and then Jose Urquidy coming in. You, this is still a game you've got an opportunity to win. I'm bringing in everybody and just saying, give me three outs or give me three batters, and then I'll go to somebody else. And then I'm going to say to Brian Bale, young man, you're throwing seven on Tuesday. or on, on, on uh, Yeah, Tuesday. Because I got to have this series. Because after this, you go and play Kansas City and the Yankees. Teams that you can beat. But you can't afford to give away games to a team that you are chasing for the wild card. Houston right now is the last wild card team. You cannot afford to give these games up. So, in a way, yes, I blame Alex Cora. Because I'm sorry, Alex. You gotta, you gotta go for it. You gotta go for it. You have to. Now, the real problem here is Heimblum. Said this months ago. This isn't like Monday morning quarterback. And I said this at the beginning, that in the start of the season, this is a flawed roster. Heimblum signed exactly one starting pitcher in the offseason. One. Who was it? Corey Kluber. 37 years old. Who had an ERA of over six as a starter. And has now been on the DL since June. But they had to, he was so bad he had to go to the bullpen. Something he hadn't done in his entire career. He wasn't any better in the bullpen either, by the way. But you let Michael Walker go away. You spent $10 million on Corey Kluber, where a few million dollars more, you could have had Michael Walker, who's got, what, 12 or 13 wins for the San Diego Padres. He wanted to stay in Boston. You let him walk to sign a 37-year-old washed-up stiff. Knowing that, you know, you had a bunch of guys. James Paxton was coming off injuries for the last two years. You had no idea what you were going to get out of him. And he's been okay at times, but you're seeing a point now where he's thrown over 100 innings. A guy who hasn't pitched, he's gassed. You were hoping you were going to get out of Bale what you have. He's been great. And no complaints there. Chris Sale, we knew he was a walking mash unit. And that has reared its ugly head once again this year. And since he's come back, he hasn't been any better. And Chris Sale can say, oh, I stunk and it's unacceptable and piss poor and everything else that he always says. He Look, he steps up and says that when he stinks, he stinks. But I'm tired of hearing about he stinks. You had opportunities to improve this pitching staff in the offseason, and you signed Corey Kluber. You made improvements to the bullpen figure, and that was going to be the answer. But when your starters can't get out of the fifth inning for an entire week, with the exception of Brian Bayo, this is the kind of crap that happens. So this is on Heimblum. Heimblum is the reason that, you know, we had this team. This pitching staff, guys like Christian Arroyo playing second base. 
why we now have Julio Urias or what the hell, what uh, Luis Urias uh, playing in the infield. Pablo Reyes has been a nice surprise that we picked him up in the middle of the season. He was a nice surprise, but now he's on the IL. Flawed roster from day one. So this is what you get. And look, you know, Pete Abraham this morning in the Boston Globe, uh, you know, had a column about, you know, the Red Sox, you know, surrendering. And the last line of his article was the following. How much longer is the fan base expected to accept that? It's why we don't sell out Fenway Park every game anymore. Remember a time, you know, back in the early 2000s when they sold out like, you know, 400 and something straight home games? Why are they not doing that now? Because I'll tell you why. Because somebody like, well, when I still lived in Connecticut, somebody like me isn't going to drive two, two and a half hours into Boston and back knowing that we could see a train wreck. I'd rather watch it from my couch. Right? So people from outside of the Boston area are not flying in droves to Fenway Park the way they used to because of this roster because you don't know what to expect and I'm sorry I you know Alex Cora has to accept some of the blame although I will say that Alex Cora probably has done and there's a lot of people that won't agree with me I think in some ways Alex Cora may have has had done his best managing job of his career this season because of the crap sandwich that he was handed prior to the start of the season. He has tried to mix and match lineups, uh, the, the, the rotation, the bullpen, as best he can. So I think in a lot of ways, he has done his best job. Last night, notwithstanding. Last night, to me, was Alex not understanding which is you know easy for me to say, right, Mister? You know, sixty sixty three year old man sitting in his uh, in his studio in North Carolina. It's easy for me to say he didn't understand. But how can you how can you get to this point in the season? Know that your season is on a razor's edge. This is the tipping point, and not get Barraclaw out of that game last night. Look, I give Barraclaw a lot of credit. There was a situation last night where, you know, Alex Coro in the ninth inning was ready to send out a position player, and Barraclaw said, nope, I got this. Barraclaw knew what the score was. He knew that he was being thrown to the Wolves, and he accepted it because he's a professional. He's getting paid a lot of money, and, and you know, he knew what the deal was. To me, Alex just didn't get it. And I'm telling you, if Brian Bayo loses tonight and then they have to go into the final game of this series in a bullpen game, if you don't believe the season's over now, you will believe me come Wednesday. 
Because if Brian Bayo doesn't win tonight, there is a legitimate chance they're getting swept in this series. You know, and the problem, like I said, they're going to play Kansas City and the Yankees after that. Teams that you think they could win. Of course, when they played Kansas City before, it didn't go as well as they would have hoped. And you, you pray to God the Yankees aren't waking up. Aaron Judge finally started to wake up yesterday, and, and Severino's starting to pitch better. So, you know, I, I, th- that's, no, that's no lock. And you look at what's happening with the Toronto Blue Jays. The Toronto Blue Jays are in a stretch where they're playing teams that are at the bottom of the standings. Last night was the start of a stretch of 12 straight games for the Blue Jays where they play Washington, Colorado, Oakland, and Kansas City, all teams that are at the bottom or right near the bottom of their respective divisions. And Toronto is three games ahead of the Red Sox, who they have to catch before they can even worry about getting the last wild card spot. And yet last night, no sense of urgency. We just threw up the white flag and said, beat us to death. And, you know, they did that on, on Sunday with Murphy. They threw him out there for, what, four or five innings, and they sent him back down to Worcester because they had to bring up a fresh arm, and the fresh arm was Barraclaw, so they could use him up last night. I fully expect he's going back down to AAA today. And I'll tell you what, they better not DFA him because I'll be pissed after they screwed this guy. And I'm not saying Kyle Barraclaw is a great reliever. Don't get me wrong. He's a journeyman for a reason. But if they made him take one for the team last night and then DFA him, I'm going to lose my mind. Because that would be BS. Red Sox also made a couple of moves yesterday. David Hamilton comes up from Worcester um, because Pablo Reyes has gone on the injured list. Uh, William Abreu went on the paternity list, so they also brought up uh, Sedan Rafaela, their number three overall prospect. He got in the game last night, had a hit in his first at bat. Good for him. Uh, I guess that was that was the lone highlight last night, ladies and gentlemen. Other than Adam Duvall uh, being hot again, uh, seeing Rafaela get his first career hit last night was cool, and it was cool. You know, Christian Casas continues to rake. Couple more runs batted in last night. This guy, since the All Star break, is hitting like 320. Um, you know, you take away the first couple of months where he had to adjust to uh, to being in the majors and playing on a day to day basis. This guy has been as advertised. And you know, if he, hopefully he gets a little bit better defensively. You know, I don't think he's exactly a butcher at first base, but he's not smooth. There's no question about that. He gets a little bit better. First base for the Red Sox is going to be wrapped up for a long, long time with this kid. I love the way he swings the bat. I love his approach at the plate, how patient he is, not afraid to take the walk. Uh, Yoshida last night, three for three. Great to see. Also walked a couple of times. He was on base five times last night. He's got his average up almost to 300 again. That, that was showing that he was a good investment. I'll give Hein Bloom that one. But this whole pitching thing, this you put this right on the doorstep of Hein Bloom. Uh by the way, Adam Duvall named the American League player of the week this week. Um he hit f- 483 last week, 14 for 29 with five home runs, 12 runs batted in, five doubles, couple of walks in seven games. 
Um, and guess who won the National League Player of the Week? That's right, Mookie Betts. Why? Well, because he tore the Red Sox to pieces. <laughs> he went 7 for 15 against the Red Sox over the weekend. Uh, hit 6-15 for the week. Uh, you know, I mean, seven runs batted in in the week, four doubles, three walks. Scored nine runs, stole a couple of bases. And uh, so he wins the National League Player of the Week, and I love this. Look, I'm not I, – I will be honest. I am not a huge Sean McDonough fan. I never was a big fan of his. I always – he just always came across as arrogant to me when he was the Red Sox play-by-play guy. Not a fan. Having said that, I got to give him credit. On the radio this weekend uh, when Mookie Betts was in the process of tearing the Red Sox a new one and reminding him why he was so good in Boston, uh, Sean McDonough on Sunday said the following, it's a trade that can never be defended and a stain ever be erased, the trade of Mookie Betts by the Red Sox. And Joe Castiglione, who's been the play-by-play guy forever, is like, oh, boy. you know, And and so he just kind of throws that, well, he's certainly a generational player. And then McDonough follows up and says, hey, he plays with a smile on his face. He's everything you'd want in a player on and off the field. He is 100% correct. I don't care what anybody says. Again, you know, I know Bloom was given uh, uh, some kind of a directive when he came in. And you look at it and, look, has – has Alex Verdugo been serviceable in right field? Yes. Is he Mookie Betts? Not even close. They got Connor Wong in that trade. He's turned out to be a decent catcher. You know, uh, but you still gave up one of the best players that the Red Sox have ever produced from their minor league system. And Sean McDonough is absolutely right. A stain that will never be erased. I love it. You could say it's right up there with the Red Sox trade or sale of Babe Ruth to the New York Yankees. Now, let's hope this was, you know, we had the curse of the Bambino for so many years. Let's hope that we're not going to have the uh, the case, the, the curse of the Mook. But Sean McDonough is 100% right, and it's just one other, as far as I'm concerned, one other nail in the coffin for... Bloom, And if he survives this season, if they fire Alex Cora and don't fire Bloom, I'm going to lose my mind. Many people have already said I've already done that, but I will be irate. By the way, rare thing last night. I'd seen enough after the uh, bottom of the seventh inning when the Red Sox didn't score and you know you knew the game was over. I went to bed. I said, I said to my wife, I'm going to bed. Something that never happens. I went to bed, and I said to her, do you want me to change the channel for you? You know, cause she, And she normally goes to bed earlier than I do, and she, for whatever reason, was up late last night. I said, you want me to change the channel? She says, no, I want to watch the end of the game. So I went to bed, and my wife watched the end of the Red Sox game. That never happens. More often than not, the Red Sox game comes on, and she rolls her eyes. But I think she watched it because it's kind of like you know rubbernecking at a uh, an accident on the highway. My wife, who never says a whole hell of a lot during games, you know, she she listens to me rant and says and, and will say it's just a game, <laughs> and then I'll say don't ever say that to me again. Uh, but but even she last night during the game was going, what are they doing? Why are they leaving this guy in to get killed like this? And so I think she wanted to stay up and watch to see if uh, Kyle Baraclaw survived the accident. 
Oh, 33 minutes past the hour. we got to take a break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 36 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call here on a Tuesday. Well, what the heck? Hang on a second. Hang on. I don't understand what's going on here. Oh, wow. How did that happen? Well, anyway, uh, let's try this again. Um, I mentioned the fact that the uh, the Blue Jays are in this stretch of 12 games where they're, you know, against teams that stink and with a chance to stay ahead of the Red Sox. Well, they started that last night. They beat the Nationals last night 6-3. Uh, Danny Jansen, a homer, uh, scored three times. Vlad Jr., uh, a couple of runs batted in. And uh, Kevin Gausman picks up a victory for Toronto last night, his 10th of the season. He wasn't great, but he was good enough against a bad Washington Nationals team, and that's where we are. So the Blue Jays stay ahead of the Red Sox. They are two and a half games back of Houston for that final wild card spot uh, after that victory last night. And, you know, they go tonight, and they have Jose Barrios pitching against Mackenzie Gore. Mackenzie Gore is about as, uh, is the best, really, that Washington has to offer. But even he's, you know, he's got an ERA of four and a half, and uh, Barrios been up and down. He's nine and nine, but he's still got an ERA of three and a half. And, you know, look, I just, that's why I think the Red Sox are toast. You know, you just look at this, this, this next stretch of games and I, you know, it's hard to imagine Toronto going any worse than say nine and three in that stretch of 12 games. Right. I mean, let's say that, you know, I think that's realistic. Nine and three. Well, in order for the Red Sox to make up those two and a half games, that means the Red Sox would have to go 12-0 and in their next 12 games to make up ground. And with this pitching staff comprised the way it is, yeah, we know they can score a lot of runs, but with the fact that the starters aren't going to get you deep into games, you're going to every four or five days you're going to get into another situation where the Red Sox are in right now where the bullpen is gassed. Well, how are the Red Sox going to win 12 straight games and catch Toronto. This isn't me being a pessimist. I mean, not that I'm not pessimistic on the Red Sox after last night. This isn't about pessimism. This is about realism because that's where they're at right now. You know, uh, the Red Sox would have to become as hot as the Seattle Mariners are right now. Uh, Seattle wins again last night, and they had the advantage of playing the Oakland Athletics, so we can't get too excited. But they beat the Athletics last night, 7-0. Uh, Seattle's won four straight, 12 of their last 13. They are the hottest team in baseball, bar none. Uh, Seattle has 20 wins in August. That's the most ever in franchise history for them. Uh, they still have a couple of games left, so obviously they can they can uh, surpass that. It doesn't hurt when you have a guy like Julio Rodriguez. Uh, he had four more hits last night. Another bomb, a two-run homer, as well as an RBI double. Uh, in his last 10 games, Julio Rodriguez has 28 hits. You know, this is a guy, you know, for a, a lot of the season, people were thinking this was kind of like a, a sophomore slump for Julio Rodriguez. So, you know, at one point his, his batting average was down into the 240s, and people were like, well, you know, maybe he's not as good as we thought he is. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, he's he's just as good, and uh, he's, his numbers this year 
when last year he hit 284, right, and he had an OPS of uh, 853, he's going to beat that this year. His batting average is higher than it was last year. He has more hits this year in fewer games than he played last year, more doubles, more runs batted in. He's walked more. He's struck out less. He's stolen more bases. I mean, this guy has been incredible. The Red Sox don't have Julio Rodriguez, right? And they don't have the Seattle pitching staff. So they win 7 nothing. They've got George Kirby going today looking for his 11th victory uh, of the season. You know, look, Seattle is not going to slow down. They're showing no signs of it. They're doing the same thing they did last year. The difference is, is that Texas and Houston have kind of come down back down to earth a little bit. And Seattle now leads the AL West by a game over both Texas and Houston. By the way, it's just the second day all season that Texas has not been in first place in the AL West. I mean, they have far exceeded everybody's expectations for the season. There is no no question about that. But that's how good they had been. And so for uh, uh, for Seattle to be able to get on a roll and catch them has been something to watch. Now, it doesn't, you know, obviously losing Jacob DeGrom was a big blow to this Texas team, but then they kind of just replaced him with Max Scherzer. He's not the Max Scherzer that we've seen in the past, but he's still pretty damn good. So Texas wins last night. They were trailing this entire game against the New York Mets, and uh, they turned it around in the eighth and ninth inning. They trailed 3-1 uh, to one going into the eighth. They scored a run in the eighth and then two runs in the ninth. Nate, uh, Nate Lau with a two-run single with two outs in the ninth inning, and the uh, Rangers come back to beat the Mets last night. John Gray got the start for Texas, but the bullpen was the story. Uh, Martin Perez came out of the bullpen, a couple of scoreless innings, and then LeClerc picks up his second save of the season. Tyler McGill was pretty good for the Mets, uh, but uh, Gott came on trying to get the save, and uh, they got to him. He struck out the side, but he gave up three hits and two runs before he did that and uh, the Texas Rangers end up winning that game. Uh, the good news for the Mets, I guess, is that uh, Brendan Nimmo snapped out of an 0-for-21 slump last night. He had a two-run homer, uh, but the Mets in last place. And uh, the interesting thing in New York, there's all kinds of rumors going around that the Mets are going to trade Pete Alonso at the end of the season. I have a real hard time believing this. And I don't know where these rumors have come from, but look, Alonzo is set to become a free agent at the end of the 2024 season. So they have him under control for another year. Now, Alonzo will be 29 when he starts next season. That really is the peak, they say, for Major League Baseball players is between the ages of, say, 27 and 30. And Alonzo has done in incredible things for the Mets. There's no question about that. But here's the thing. And, and I, so I guess my point is, is that I, I can understand why people might think that the Mets would consider it because of his age. But, I mean, the last three seasons, actually, 
He's played five years, with the exception of uh, the 2020 season, the pandemic season, when he only hit 16 homers. He's hit 53, 37, 40. He's got 39 this year. He's going to be over 40 home runs again. He's going to be over 100 runs batted in again for the third time in his career. And the one year he didn't do it that wasn't the pandemic year, he had 94. Now, his batting average is down. There's no question. His batting average was 271 in 2022. He's dropped to 221 this year. So his batting average is down. I get it. Um, but this is a guy that is going to hit 40 to 50 home runs a season and drive in 100. And I don't care what they say. The, the peak is somebody is age 30 season. Tell David Ortiz that. Pete Alonso could be the New York Mets' David Ortiz. But the issue is the following, and, and the reason that people think this may happen is because when Steve Cohen bought the team, he gave Francisco Lindor a huge contract. Ten years, uh, $341 million, so $34 million a season. So people are theorizing, well, if Alonzo is going to be a free agent at the end of 2024, he's going to want a contract in the Lindor range. And by the time he gets to that point, he's going to be 31 years old, and the Mets aren't going to want to spend that kind of money on a 31-year-old. Now, a lot of this has come from Bob Nightingale of USA Today, who has been wrong about baseball trade rumors uh, since I was, you know, since I had hair. So he's wrong a lot. But the this thing has kind of taken on a life of its own. If you're the Mets... Can you afford to let Pete Alonso walk one of the most popular players on that team? Especially. Can you imagine that? You've already, you know, you've, you had a $340-plus million payroll. You had a fire sale, and you got rid of your two top pitchers in Verlander and Scherzer. Can you imagine to top off this horrific season where you're in last place in the NL East when everybody thought you were like the odds-on favorite to win the World Series, that you not only stink – but then, after trading away those two future Hall of Fame pitchers, that you trade away Pete Alonso. Oh my goodness, Met fan, Met fans as as enthusiastic as they were about Steve Cohen becoming the Mets owner because not afraid to spend money. Can you imagine that? Now the only scenario, the only scenario, where I can see them trading Alonso. And getting away with it is if they then turn around and get Shohei Otani to come to New York to be a member of the New York Mets. And by getting rid of or trading for away Alonzo, they're freeing up money that they could give to Shohei Otani. If they're going to do that, that might be the only way Met fans will accept it. But even then, it would be a very, very bitter, uh, bitter pill for Met fans to swallow. So, you know, like, as I said, Bob Nightingale's wrong a lot. So, you know, he, he may be wrong again. But uh, that, uh, that would be a very, very tough one for the Mets on top of all the other disasters they've had here. It's 47 minutes past. Yeah, we're going to take one more break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. 
Welcome back to the Wake Up Call. 49 minutes past the hour as uh, we wind our way down here on a Tuesday morning. The Baltimore Orioles stayed hot last night. They win 9 nothing. Grayson Rodriguez, six one-hit innings. Uh, Anthony Santander, his 25th home run of the season. The Orioles won 8 of 10. Uh, they are now two and a half games ahead of the Tampa Bay Rays in the AL East. Um, and they have guaranteed themselves their second consecutive winning season. Uh, that was their 82nd win of the year last night. Uh, they won 83 games last year, which was their first winning season since 2016. Uh, and they have uh, obviously uh, ticked it up a notch this year. You know, look, they're, they're, there's no question that they're a a really, really good team. The question is, is are they going to be able to survive the loss of their closer. Uh, Bautista is is uh, has some UCL damage. Don't know the exact uh, extent of that yet, but if they are going to be without him, and he has been as good as, as can be, if they're going to be without him uh, for the rest of the year, the question will be how easy it will be for them to close out games. But uh, a solid win for them last night. The Minnesota Twins beat the Guardians uh, 10-6 last night, so the Twins widened their lead in the American League Central to seven games. Uh, Cleveland, 62-70 and 70 on the season. Uh, it has been a brutal year uh, for Cleveland. They've already matched their loss total from last year. They had 70 losses last year. They still have 30 games to go this year. Uh, and, and, you know, maybe, you know, they've talked about a lot of the chance that Terry Francona may call it a day. It may be one of those things where Terry's looking at at, at, at the mess that this team has become and, and you know, with all his health issues, he, that may be one of the reasons where he decides to step away. Uh, Kenta Maeda got the start for the Twins last night. He was awful, um, but the Cleveland pitching staff was worse. Uh, Cleveland, by the way, designated uh, Noah Syndergaard for assignment. They got him uh, from the uh, Angels because he wasn't good enough to stick there. And now with uh, Cal Quantrill's getting ready to come back, they designated Syndergaard for assignment. Uh, Gavin Williams will get the start for the Guardians tonight. Pablo Lopez, nine and six with a three six nine ERA, uh, will uh, pitch for the Minnesota Twins. Aaron Judge, his two hundred forty ninth home run of his career last night. The Yankees beat the Tigers four uh, one. Luis Severino, his second straight uh, good outing. Uh, he had been awful his previous three or four starts, but uh, he pitched well last night. Uh, the Judge home run, by the way, his twenty ninth of the season. And it came in his 806 career game. He could become the fastest ever to 250 homers. He only needs one more. Ryan Howard did it in 855 games. So as long as he hits one um, in uh, the next 35 games or 30, 38 games, uh, he will be the fastest ever to 250 home runs in his career. Michael King will get the start for the Yankees tonight. Uh, who continue to sit in last place in the American League East. I guess that's one thing if you're the Red Sox you can hang your head on. Um, the Phillies last night beat the Angels by a final of 6-4. to four. So the Phillies uh, with a four-game lead in the number one wild card position in the National League. Uh, they hit four home runs last night. Trey Turner with two of them. Uh, Bryce Harper had a two-run homer. Um, Trey Turner has been uh, hot as a pistol lately. And uh, matter of fact, the entire uh, Phillies team has been hitting home runs at a ridiculous clip. 
they have the, I think, the most home runs in the month of uh, August. The Angels will have Tyler Anderson tonight. Michael Lorenzen will get the start for the uh, Phillies in the middle game of that series. Milwaukee beat the Cubs last night 6-2. to two. Uh, So the Cubs, after just uh, coming off a pretty good road trip, come back home and they lose. But the Cubs tied for the number two wild card position right now. Uh, Milwaukee's... Uh, cementing its hold in the NL Central race. Corbin Burns will get the start tonight for the Brewers. It'll be Justin Steele, who's 14-3 and with a 2.80 ERA. He has to be one of the, uh, uh, you would think, the leading contenders, along with Zach Gallon of the Arizona Diamondbacks, uh, for Cy Young Award winner in the NL this year. Uh, speaking of Zach Gallon, he got roughed up a bit last night as, uh, guess who, the Los Angeles Dodgers uh, keep rolling. They beat the Diamondbacks last night by a final of 7-4. Uh, Gallon gives up nine hits and six runs, including all four home runs by the Dodgers in that game uh, last night. His ERA jumped up to 3.32. He falls to 14-6 and six on the season. Uh, Freddie Freeman, Jason Howard, or Jason Hayward, I should say, Josh Outman, and Max Muncy all go deep for the Dodgers. Clayton Kershaw, uh, will pitch for the Dodgers tonight. Uh, he is 5-2 and two in his last 10 starts against Arizona, 11-4 and four on the season. He'll go up against Merrill Kelly, who's having another fine season, fourth in the majors in ERA at uh, 2.97. The Giants beat the Reds last night. Uh, Kyle Harrison, one of their uh, top prospects, picks up the victory. And for the Giants right now, they sit a half a game out of that last wild card behind the Arizona Diamondbacks, so a big win for them last night. Cincinnati, a game and a half back now after the loss last night in that search for the final wild card. And uh, the Braves win again, shocking, 14-4. to They beat the Rockies, who stink. The big story in this one is a couple of Rockies fans, like, stormed the field. One of them actually got their arms around Acuna. He got knocked down to the ground. Uh, security gets him out of there. He was Acuna was fine, uh, ends up finishing the game. Acuna... Uh, hit his 29th home run last night. He stole two more bases. He is one home run shy of becoming the first player in major league history to have 30 homers and 60 stolen bases in a season. I mean, it's just insane what that guy is doing right now. Uh, and, by the way, hitting 335. Uh, can anybody say most valuable player? because there's no doubt that he's it. Uh, the Padres beat the uh, the woeful cards last night. Final in that one uh, was 4-1, to one, but the Padres' hopes uh, for the wild card have just about uh, gone the same way that the Boston Red Sox have. Uh, they are now seven games back of the final wild card with three other teams they have to jump to even get there. So the Padres' season uh, is over as well. That is going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Wake Up Call. We leave you this morning with some music from Old Dominion. No such thing as a broken heart. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country.